Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey, hey, welcome to episode 126 of the podcast. I am so glad you're here. I really am thankful that you're joining me for today's episode. I hope you're ready for some hope. H-O-P-E, like capitalize every letter of that word, hope, some encouragement and some truth directly from the word of God. You know, all of God's promises are true and they will always prove true. Every promise is Every promise is yes and amen through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's going to be a good one today, my friends. You ready? Alrighty, let's go. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode number 126. So today I'm going to do some straight talk. Very, very straight talk from James chapter 4. Okay, so here's the deal. You know, I've discovered, and this is for me personally, this may not be your experience, that's totally fine, but I've discovered that when the Lord draws me to read any part of the book of James from the New Testament, the book of James, I kind of like have learned to sort of like, all right, brace myself a little bit. Uh, There's probably an area in my life where I need to grow up, mature, be sanctified, become more like Jesus, get off the milk and start eating the meat of God's word sanctification and sometimes just some discipline is often coming my way when the Lord leads me to read the book of James. I'm not talking about like in your Bible reading plan and it's James. I'm talking about like when you know the spirit of the Lord, Christ within you is saying you need to read the book of James. Yeah. Anybody else ever feel that way? Like, oh, I'm going over to James. I'm flipping back to James. Oh boy. Oh, yikes. So, you know, I I found that for me, I may as well just yield, like surrender and fully yield and let the spirit of the living God do what it is that he wants to do. Teach me, reprove me, guide me, discipline me, disciple me, do all of those things because you love me, Lord. Show me something in my heart and in my life where I'm just... I'm not where he wants me to be. I might not quite be where he wants me to be. I might be like way off, a million miles off where he wants me to be. Go ahead and show me. Just lean into it. That's what I have learned to do. So recently, as in, you know, within the last few days, I found myself looking at the fourth chapter of James. And by looking at it, I mean, I don't mean reading it, but my mind is rolling through my to-do list or I'm thinking about other things or I'm thinking about, oh, this applies to this person and that person and them over there. No, no. Looking at it means I'm looking at it and letting it look back at me. I read the Bible and I let it read me. I want it to show me like, what do I need to see? So looking at it intentionally. James 4 verses 1 through 7 in the New Living Translation, that is really where I landed. And I was journaling and praying 
as I was reading it. And I wanted to share it here on the podcast because it ended up being such a tremendous blessing to me. And I'm hopeful that at least in some measure, I can pass that blessing along to you. You know, there's that saying, you're blessed to be a blessing, and it actually really is true. So, all right, we're just going to head right into this. We're going to get rolling here, and uh, I just want to say, I feel like this is a word for the season that we are in, for sure. I kind of want to preface before I get started and say this is a, this is a fitting word for the, the time that we are in, the times that we are in. James 4, verse 1, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? And again, that's the New Living Translation. Okay, that's just chapter four, verse one. Can you even, I mean, think about this. Like, can you even imagine? Like, this is just, bam. I mean, James is just hitting you with it. There's no, there's no dawdling. I mean, chapter four just begins with what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Wowza. Okay, so, Right here, we find the answer for the strife and the angst in life. Is something eating at you? Is something eating at me? This verse, it reveals a source. It's really not, this verse isn't telling me that I can point at somebody else or just my circumstances. Sometimes it's like, it's me, you know? I mean, everybody has heard the, probably not everybody, but a fair measure of people have heard the little soundbite. It's uh, Taylor Swift, it's me yeah, I'm the problem. It's me. Like for real, it's me. That's what this verse is saying. What's causing this issue? Doesn't it come from what's at war within you? This is this right here. It gives you a good example of why sometimes I kind of internally wince a little bit when the Lord says, Jan, go read James. I'm going to give an example that, that came to mind as I was reading through these verses. Okay, so this is actually, as I was reading through it, this is really, a, this is an actual example regarding recent elections in the United States. Can I share that, that in all honesty, I kind of feel like this verse fits so perfectly. Like, I mean, it just, bam, hit me upside the head. How's my attitude? How's my attitude? Am I confused by the choices that other people have made? You know, and and did that confusion roll right on quickly into frustration, anger, grouchiness, and just kind of like a grrr attitude? I got to take those emotions. And emotions, uh, you know, they're real, but I still have to take those very real things and give them to the Lord. Give them means give them, not kind of hang on to them, not try to justify them. If I'm trying to justify before the Lord or man my emotions, my anger, my whatever, I'm not giving it to the Lord. I have to give them to him, give them to him. And then they become his because I gave them to him. If someone gives me a gift and then they want to take it back, that's not right. That's not how gift giving works. So if I give something to the Lord, emotions that are out of bounds, because I went from being like confused to frustrated, angry, grouchy, grr, right? Like I got to give that to him because that is not going to bring about the kingdom of God. It's just not. That's not righteous anger I'm talking about here. This is like where I'm like, what in the world is going on? And that boils over quickly. Okay, I got to give those to the Lord um, and leave them there, not take them back. If I am, let's see, how do I, I don't want to say, I don't want to speak for anybody else. So I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm speaking for me. But if I'm, if I'm upset about things that aren't like point blank in the word of God, clearly stated for me to be upset about, 
I'm going to get off track. And I, I'm not lecturing anybody. I'm speaking for myself. I'm showing you how the Holy Spirit works in my life to take the word of God, particularly the book of James, and do a work in me and say, this right here, this will not bring about kingdom purposes. And I don't want to be in the way of what God wants to do in this world. It's like, you know, hey, Jan, what's causing this? What's that war within you? How irritated am I prone to get when I do not get what I want? How irritated am I prone to get? This verse leads me to ask that very question. And then if I want to be mature as a Christian, and I desperately do, then I need to let the Holy Spirit put a spotlight where he wants to put the spotlight. Sometimes that is uncomfortable. Okay, but you know what? The deal I personally made with the Lord is that this is no longer my life, but his. I traded my cruddy, sin-filled life. I traded it out for the life that Jesus gives to me. It's not mine. I've been bought with a price, and that price is the precious blood of Christ. So I traded it out. This life is now his. And also, you know, he he was, for me to be like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't make me feel, I'm kind of uncomfortable here. It's good for me to remember, I think Jesus was awfully, terribly uncomfortable for what he did at the cross for me. It's just kind of icky for me personally, how I sometimes get irritated by things and uncomfortable about things when what he's doing with my life is the exact thing that he said he would do upon my salvation. Like I really did trade it out and give it to him. And now, you know, that whole give to him, it's, it's his now thing that I mentioned earlier when you give something to the Lord. It's not mine to fiddle around with. It's mine to bend the knee to honor the Lord and say, you do what you want. You do what you will. Your will trumps all, Lord. Your will, your will, your will. He took my life from garbage, total trash, and he made it anew. He made it again another. James helps me get my head on straight when I'm seeing things through my own skewed lenses. And that happens regularly because I'm still living in my skin in a world that's very broken. But I have to just keep going back to what I know, and that's that my life does not belong to me anymore. It belongs to the Lord. His kingdom purposes and his will that's the main thing. I want to keep the main thing the main thing, and I want to bend the knee and glorify him. Verse 2, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war and take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. All right, do I not have what I want because I have not asked God for it? It's not really a yes or no question. It's more of a yes on the regular question. Yep, yep, today that's true, and that's probably going to be true tomorrow, and last week that was true. Did I even check in with God on this thing? If I never, ever ask him for what I really want, then it's likely that what I want isn't something I feel comfortable asking him for. Ding, 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 ding. May have a problem here, Jan. Or... I'm just annoyed when I don't get it, but I never asked, or I just didn't even think about bringing God into that aspect of my life and asking for it. Sometimes we just we just didn't ask and we should have asked. Why? Because the Bible says so. That's why. Because the Word of God says so. What do I want and why do I want it? Sometimes that's a question to be asked as we go to the Lord in prayer. What do I want? I know what I want. Why do I want it? Lord, you clean up the mess of my heart. You clean up my wrong motives. Make my wants your wants. Psalm 37. Okay. Do I want something that belongs to somebody else? It's not mine. I need to quit wanting that and the Holy Spirit can help me. What aspect of jealousy might be rearing its head in my life? 
Can my frustration show me something that is amiss? Yes, it can. A place where I'm jealous. And maybe I didn't even fully see that it was jealousy until the word of God showed me what's really up. It is it important enough for me to take before the God of heaven's armies? Read the book of Daniel. You'll see him referred to as the God of heaven's, heaven's armies. That's who we're talking to. Is this really... Is this really right for me to be taken before him? And I'm not saying you don't pray about certain things. That's not what I'm saying. It can be a small thing. You could be really worn out and tired. Sometimes in the heart failure, I'm tired. I can pray for a parking lot close up so I don't have to walk as far because I'm tired. That There's nothing wrong with that. I prayed for that a lot when I was um, regularly pregnant and had little ones. You know, our, our kids were our oldest, had, had recently turned seven when our fifth child was born. So um, that's like... A lot of little ones to keep track of. I'm not saying don't pray about things like that that we might deem as little. I'm saying sometimes the Lord might be like, um, okay, what? Is this a prayer or is this a complaint? Is this a prayer or is this like you want what they have? It's not yours. It's theirs kind of a thing. Like God's word can purify us. It ought to. It intends to. Bend the knee to the Lord and let his word, his living and active word, do the work in you that he wants it to do. We have these these words. We have our Bibles, and in America, most of us have more than one Bible. We have them at the ready to do the work of the Lord in our heart and mind to change our lives. So I want to be all about yielding to that. Is this is this really, you know, I'm entering the throne room of grace. Is this particular thing worth kind of praying with that importunity that Jesus taught? Like, I'm going to ask and keep asking. Some things, they are. They are somebody's health crisis, somebody's salvation, you know, somebody, they need a job to provide for their family. They've been out of work for six months. Like some things are just to, you just, man, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking, seeking, knocking. If it's eating at me so much that I'm scheming to try and get it, if I'm fighting and I'm waging war to get it, but I haven't ever taken it to the Lord, gone to the Lord about it in prayer. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm off base. Maybe I'm wrong in what I want. Maybe this desire is just a little bit sideways. Or maybe I just forgot to ask my father. Maybe I just forgot to make my request known to him with thanksgiving. Be sure that you're asking God for the things that you want and need. But, you know, let him give the yes or the no. That's a safe place to live our lives. In the presence of the Lord, talking to him, like praying to him and expecting him to give us an answer and guidance and clarity and wisdom where we need it and to give us just his provision as he deems, you know, what our needs are, as he deems fit, let him give, expecting that. That's a safe place to live our lives. And this world, it's a hot mess. If you didn't know that already, uh, you know, a spoiler alert, it is kind of a disaster zone out there in a lot of ways, especially morally. We need a safe place to live. So a safe place to live our lives is in the presence of the Lord, talking to him about the things that you want. You need letting his word word do the work that it is intended to do in your life. Man, that's a good plan. Let's live in a safe place. Verse three, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. All right, I'm going to bounce back to my earlier example, my political example. Do I want my choice of candidate to win because I want what I want for my own ease in my life and my own pleasures? I want a little bit more of a respite. I want a little bit more time for things to go well for me, for my kids, for, you know, or or um, maybe just to make things more comfortable 
for me and mine? Or do I want that candidate to be in office in order to glorify God and advance his kingdom purposes? One of those is always going to be the right answer. And sometimes we can muddy up those waters and confuse the two. And the word of God will bring clarity to go, oh, I really thought I wanted them because I thought they were the more godly candidate, but I didn't get what I wanted. And now I'm realizing I wanted ease. I wanted ease. What if in a hard time, what if in a really hard time in our country, there are people who will come to know Jesus personally, who will be saved from death and hell eternally because of the hard time that comes when maybe that candidate who would provide ease didn't end up in office. Just what if? Just what if? I'm just saying that. God's ways, he's working. What is that saying? He's always working on a million different levels and we know about maybe three. There's a lot of truth to that. Now, I'm not saying that evil is right. I'm not saying, I think probably my listeners know where I stand on on things like a sin based on what the word of God says is sin, that's sin, period, the end. Doesn't matter what culture says. So I don't want to uh, condone sin and I'm not going to run out and vote for really evil things. I'm not going to be one of those people voting in Michigan to allow a baby to be born or survive an abortion and then be killed. Like to be born and say, I got 48 hours to decide if you actually want to, to let this living human being outside of your body at that point, live or die. Like that's messed up. I would never vote for that. That's evil, black and white. Again, that goes back to clearly the word of God tells me, tells me what's right and what's wrong. That's something you want to know about something to get like righteous anger and to really hit your knees and go to the Lord in prayer on behalf. That's it. That's child sacrifice 101 right there. And it's pure evil. It never won't be. And uh, anybody who disagrees, you are welcome to never listen to me again. That's okay. But I would challenge you before you do that to really pray about that and go to the word of God and say, oh, have I not like, yeah, have I been desensitized? Am I so much in the fight for my rights and the things that I've deemed are most important that I failed to see that this is a human life, that only God, he is the author of life, only he can author life. And it's not man's to ever take away. It's just not. Right. I mean, I'll go so far to even tell you that I don't know about um, I may have had a point in time where I felt one way about the death penalty and I don't feel that way anymore. This is a very serious issue. It is not our job to end a life. It never will be. God's the author of life. Don't overstep our bounds. We're not God. We're not a bunch of little gods running around down here doing whatever we want. So I'm not talking about that kind of thing when I say that people might actually come to Christ. I'm talking about you know, it does inflation stay high? Does need, seeing your actual physical need, sometimes in some cases push people to see their spiritual need for Jesus? Yes, yes. How do I know that? Because I got saved as a young adult and hard times helped push me to see my need and to be honest and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Okay, so my motives, they're really, really revealing really, really revealing. What's actually in my heart, uh, the Word of God will show me, the Holy Spirit will show me, time and prayer will show me. If I'm willing, if I'm willing to hear the Lord say whatever He wants to say to me, He'll speak to me. He really will. He's so good. He's so good. We need to let the Holy Spirit determine the worth of what's in our hearts because Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. So let the Lord to de- determine what's worthwhile that's in there and what needs to be cleaned up or changed. We can't make that change on our own, but he can. We just need to be willing to let him work. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit, the Lord, God Almighty work 
in your life as he wills, as he wishes. And how does my frustration and anger about not getting what I want reveal what I need most? How does my frustration and anger about not getting what I wanted, how does that reveal what I really actually need most? Do I need a heart check? Do I need the Lord to do a work? Do I need to extend forgiveness? Do I need to practice extending grace? Do I need to pray for for those people that I would um, quote unquote deem my enemies? Do I need to turn the other cheek? Do I need to walk the second mile with somebody? My motives are terribly revealing. Lord, fix my eyes and my thoughts and my heart on you and get my motives in line with your will. Please, Lord, do that and do it now because now is the time I need those changes to happen. Amen to that. Verse four. Okay, listen, James is not playing. Verse four in the New Living Translation, James 4, 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. All right, you know, this is blunt. B-L-U-N-T, blunt. This is this like with frankness that would be deemed rude and even unchristlike. James states, that even our tiniest want to be friends with the world, even the idiotiest, bittiest part of us that wants to be friends with the world, makes us adulterers against the Lord. He says it twice to bring that point fully home. You can't dodge this. He isn't going to let you. James will not let you dodge this. God is no chump. He ain't playing. This is what he deems as adulterous behavior. Friendship with the world. What does God say is adultery against him? friendship with the world. Okay, let's not get in let's let's not be out of agreement with the Lord on this. Let's get into agreement with him and treat friendship with the world appropriately per the word of God. It's adultery. We have to just be done with it. Let's make no provision for the flesh. Verses 5 and 6. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. He's passionate about that, my friend. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Man, he is so serious about his children, his people being fully his. To be fully his requires faithfulness to him, right? Kind of a no-brainer. Makes total sense. To be fully his means we're faithful to him. How would we react if God were merely hit and miss in his faithfulness toward us? It's nonsense to believe that our faithfulness to him can be taken as lightly. Oh, and to our shame, it so often is taken lightly. Like it's, it's sometimes we just take it so lightly, our faithfulness to him. But when we can be offended, offended, offended. Jesus said um, when he was talking about John the Baptist when he was in prison, blessed is he who's not offended at me. We can get so offended at him, but we'd think nothing of it when we're like, eh, yeah, meh flippant about our faithfulness to him. He opposes, opposes. The word of God says that he opposes the proud. Do you want God to oppose you? Serious, serious stuff here. He gives grace to the humble. That's the other side of that coin. You want his grace? Oh, better get humble. Better get humble. You and you alone get to choose. Is God going to oppose you or is he going to give grace to you? Which will you have? Which will I have? Grace from God or opposition from God? I choose for me, you choose for you, but let's not slap God's hand away when he's being generous toward us. Let's not do that. He gives us grace 
generously is what it says here in James 4, verses 5 and 6. Generously. Accept that grace. Live with some humility. Man, how would this world look if people lived with some humility and less pride? We are prideful as a human race. We just really are. You and I, though, we can choose every single day to humble ourselves. And then the promise here is that we get grace. I want grace because I really need grace. I want this. It's a need. I want grace because I really need grace. So I got to do the work of being more and more and more humble on a continual, never-ending basis. Verse seven, so humble yourselves before the Lord, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Oh, here we find one of the most beautiful promises in the entire Bible. So humble yourselves before God. That word so, so humble yourself. So is there for a reason. It indicates that we have weighed this thing out and we've made our decision. Make a choice, choose. Don't say, I don't know how to humble myself. I don't know how to, oh, I, uh. we often skip to the, to the second part of this verse, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It doesn't say that. It says if you've humbled yourself before God, then you resist the devil and then Satan will have to flee from you. You first do the humbling, right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Will, this is a promise. He will flee from you. This is an amazing word, W-I-L-L. We need to pay attention when we see it in a promise. You first humble yourself before God Almighty, and then you resist. Like, put some force and some effort into your resisting. And the devil has got to flee from you. He has to. This is an ironclad promise. You do your part, and God, he most assuredly is going to do his. He cannot break one of his promises, not even one. It's impossible. It is After all, impossible for God to lie. So don't act like you're waiting for him to lie, expecting him to lie, wondering if he's going to lie. When we're like, I don't know if God's going to come through for me. I'm having trouble trusting him. We're really saying, well, he's probably going to lie. He's a liar. Seriously, that's what we're doing. Let's, Let's boil it down and be honest about the junk in our lives. Life is short. Time is short. Let's get real about this stuff instead of trying to pretty it up. You know, it's like lipstick on a pig. It's just nasty. It's still a nasty, like that. it doesn't belong there. Don't try to pretty it up. I'm just wondering. I'm just, you know, no, 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 no. Don't call God a liar and don't imply that he's a liar. He's not. He's not. If you're struggling with something, go to him and say, I am struggling in my faith. Help me. Bless me. Lead me, guide me, grow my faith. Give me more faith. God's the one that gives faith. Let me be true with the measure of faith that you've given me. And Jesus, you made great promises about how my prayers would be answered if I just use the faith that I have, even faith as small as a mustard seed, right? Do that. But don't say, well, hmm, don't pretty it up when really what you're saying is, God, I think you're lying to me and I think you're going to continue to lie to me. Don't do that. Take your heartbreak and disappointment to him, but don't pretend that what you're saying isn't what you're saying. And if you're just not believing because you don't want to believe, I challenge you to start believing. Make a choice to believe. Help me to believe again. Thank you, Lord. He is not a man that he should lie. He's not like us. He's not a man. He doesn't lie. We read these words in our Bibles, and we have to apply it to our lives if we want to live at the level that God has in mind for his children to live at. Level up. Humble ourselves. Then resist the devil, and Satan will flee. Flee. Man, what an interesting word choice. Not back off, not step back, not even like a, 
you know, tuck behind a tree and wait to jump out at you and like flee, run away from you. He will get as far away from you as possible. That's what it's, that's the picture that comes to mind when you think of someone fleeing. They're getting as far away as they possibly can. That is the promise what Satan will do when you humble yourself and then resist the devil. It's, uh, you know, God could have used any word there that he wanted to, but the word he used is flee. Satan turning on his heel and running as far from you as he can get. Don't let the power of this promise be lost on you simply because you've heard this over and over again. Uh, this, this is good stuff, like good, good stuff from your good, good father. God has good, good stuff in store for us in this life and absolutely for certain in the life that is to come. I don't want to miss any of it. If God says it's good and he has it for me, I want it. So I go back to the book of James. When the Lord calls me to study the book of James, and I ask him with expectancy to change me in any and every way that he deems fit. If he says this needs change, do it, Lord. You got it. I'm, I'm all in. I'm bending the knee to you, and I'm going to let you do the work that you need to do. Change with God, it means improvement. We don't always view it that way. We kind of look at it like, that's oh, a loss. No, no, it's a win, and it's always a win. Change with God means improvement. Always, always an upgrade, always an improvement. So I don't want to avoid that. Show me the money. Show me the good stuff. If this is how I get what God has for me, so be it, I'm in. Let's do this thing. And as for the climate of the world right now, it's not going to just like poof, get all sorts of better suddenly. You know, Jesus doesn't have full and free reign in the hearts and minds of every single person on this planet. The Holy Spirit is not indwelling every single person on this planet because we have an enemy, Satan. He's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Not Nibelon, not Snarlat, but devour, pretending that anyone or anything outside of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Messiah, can fix what's broken in this world is what I said earlier. It's just putting lipstick on a pig because what's broken is internal. It's the hearts of men and women. We need Jesus. He is the solution for sin. And sin is a plaguing chronic problem that people on this planet are dealing with. Prayer, your prayers, prayer is going to do more to bless you, bless your family, to honor God, to bless the church that you attend each week, your, to bless your workplace, your neighborhoods, your country, your elected officials, lawmakers, the whole wide world. Prayer is going to do more to be a blessing than any candidate ever will. Election day is over for 2022, but you know what? Prayer is not over. Let's be Christ followers who are such tremendous prayer warriors that Satan hates it when we hit our knees in prayer, that hate, that Satan hates it when we fold our hands and we bow our heads. Let's be about the work of the Father. Let him start doing the work in you that he wants to do and then pray. Maybe you need to pray like you've never prayed before. Remember, God's not a liar. He's going to keep his promises to you. Grab all of the good stuff that the Lord has for you in this life. And you know what? You're also laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. You're doing a double, it's a double win-win. I'm going to make bank here and I'm going to really make bank there. It's a beautiful thing, this promise that God gives us here. So worth it to let him do the work that he wants to do. Get out of this life everything that God has for you. Go for the gusto. Don't give up and don't give in. You keep persevering to the end and know that your God is a good God and he has for you and that any changes he brings in your life, it's going to be an improvement. It's always going to be good. All right. 
That's it for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. I'm going to see you back here next time with a special Thanksgiving week podcast episode. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time. <laughs>